We turn in God's Word this evening to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We are going to be looking at verses 129 through 136. Psalm 119, looking at that section, 129 through 136. Really could have just about chosen just about any one of these sections of Psalm 119 for the message tonight, as each one uh, is, is an amplification, a testimony in and of itself to the beauty of God's Word, to the beauty of God's testimonies, to His commandments. And uh, the psalmist in Psalm 119 is, is just saying this over and over and over again in each one of these sections. And so uh, there, there's no particular reason for this section over and above another other than that uh, this one did lay out nicely for a sermon. Psalm 119, 129 through 136. Let us hear then God's breathed out word to us. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. I invite you to keep this passage open before you tonight as we make our way through it. Let's again bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessings that you pour out as we celebrated the Lord's Supper this morning of your love for us, your forgiveness of sins, and we read your word. And we pray, Lord, that your face will shine upon us, that we may seek to live lives that honor and glorify you as we live our daily lives among many people who may not know you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we were at Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, which reads, as a reminder, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so we, we begin to look at and to say, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to live by the Spirit? What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? And we talked about the idea of the fact that, that we are to be not only under the influence of the Spirit, but we are also to be guided and directed by the Spirit as well. And one of the ways in which the Spirit leads us and guides us is through the Word. 
doesn't come through revelations to us individually. It doesn't come to us in the sense of dreams or visions. The Spirit leads us and guides us and directs us according to the truth of God's Word. This. So if I want to live by the Spirit, then God's Word has to have a certain place in my life as a believer. If I want to keep in step with the Spirit, and the Spirit is continually opening this, revealing this, but I'm in neutral, I'm not going anywhere, then I'm not keeping in step with the Spirit. The Spirit desires to deepen our understanding of God's Word. Before we go back to Psalm 119, I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 7 for a few moments. Romans chapter 7. Excuse me, Romans chapter 8. I'll pick it up at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, note the term, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life. Because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. Who dwells in you. A Christian has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. I believe this evening I am addressing predominantly Christians. If not, let me just state to you that this morning, God gave to you two invitations. He gave you an invitation at the sacrament of baptism. He gave you an invitation at the table. And it is by those means, in the sense of understanding not just the, the formality of them, but understanding that by faith, we participate in these. That God is inviting you into a living relationship with Him. 
that the Spirit might dwell within you as well. But for the most of you in this room this evening, the Spirit is dwelling in you. If we work our way back, then we should have a mind then. If the Spirit is dwelling in us, then we should have minds that are set not on the things of the flesh. In other words, that's not what we're... We're not striving for the flesh. The flesh happens. The flesh takes place. The, the flesh creeps in. But that which is predominant, that, that, which, that which overrides, is the Spirit. Because we live according to the Spirit. We have our minds set on the things of the Spirit. So what is it that the Spirit has His mind set on? The answer to that is truth. That's why He's called the Spirit of truth. So we are to have minds then that are set upon truth. Where is that truth found? Well, that truth is found in the Word of God. That's what the psalmist in Psalm 119 is stating to us. This is what he has discovered. This is what he has learned. This is what he is sharing with us. This is what the Spirit is breathing out to us. See, remember the analogy of what is going on here. These words came to the psalm writer by God breathing into him this truth. The Spirit came in. The truth came in to the psalm writer. As he writes it, as he puts it down, that same Spirit that is breathed in is now breathed out. This is the mind of the Spirit. This is the desire of the Spirit. If we are going to walk with the Spirit, if we are going to keep in step with the Spirit, then this, this Word of God, this breath of God, is that which we have to have our minds set upon. Now let's look at this psalm as far as how the, the psalmist lays it out for us. The first thing he tells us is that there is a delight in God's Word. That he finds a delight. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore my soul keeps them. There is something about the very Word of God. That as the psalmist hears that word, as he hears the Spirit's direction, as he hears the Spirit's guiding, the psalmist is saying, I find that to be wonderful. I find that to be a delight. We might say, I find that to be a joy. There is a a sense of wonder at the Word of God. A, a wonder that, that, that understands that this is the living God. That this is the sovereign Lord speaking 
to me. Speaking to me. Isn't that amazing to think about? That every time we open this word, that we read from it, God is speaking to you. That's why the psalmist is, is saying this is a wonder. This is a delight. This is a joy. I'm captivated by it. Not in the sense of, of oh, this is so mysterious, I want to figure it out. He's captivated by the idea, the very idea that God is speaking to him. So do you enjoy reading truth, pure truth? Is that what you find enjoyment in? Because that's what this is. You know, we, I, I'm not supposed to say it because supposedly it's banned, but it's interesting that the people who have banned the use of the term are the people who the term is about. Fake news. Oh, we don't want to hear about fake news anymore. Why? Because you're the fake news. Of course you don't want to hear about it anymore. Our world is filled with fake news. It surrounds us. It doesn't just come from our radios. It doesn't just come from our television sets. It comes from what we read. It comes from our society. It comes from our culture. It comes from our families. It comes from our relatives. It comes from our friends. There's fake news everywhere. Here is truth. Full truth. Complete truth. Do you enjoy the truth? You enjoy soaking in. Is there an enjoyment, a wonder, a captivation by the fact that God is speaking his truth to you, to me? Does God's word bring about a satisfaction? A, a fulfillment? No, anybody can read the words of it. You know, an atheist can read the words, but he's not going to, to gain anything from it. I, I could put these before the Dalai Lama, and he'd probably say, nice words. Not bad. You're on the path towards enlightenment. But he's not going to find some satisfaction in it. He's not going to find a fulfillment in it. See, that's what the psalmist is saying. When I look to the word of God, ah, the satisfaction I find in God's truth. Secondly, there is the power of God's word. Verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. The power of God's word. You know, in Psalm, 1, in Psalm 29, if you just turn back to that for a moment, we, we hear that psalmist speak about 
the voice of God as well, the Word of God. In Psalm 29, he, he phrases it this way. Pick it up with me at verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And all in his temple cry, glory. The psalmist is saying, God's word, God's voice is a powerful voice. And we, we think about that. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. That same word. See, it's not a different thing. It's not something else. It's not a, a voice of a different kind. The voice of the Lord, let there be light. The voice of the Lord, Lazarus, come forth. Is the same voice that speaks to us here. A powerful word. But here. In this, in this verse, the psalmist is pointing out a, a distinct means of the power of God. And it's the means of conversion. Notice what it does. The unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. See, we're talking about those who are in sin. And it's God's word that gives light. Interesting that I believe that in the, the King James, the, the word that is used here for unfolding is actually the word entrance. The entrance of your word gives light. And, and the actual Hebrew word that is used there has more to do with the opening of a tent flap. Remember as we're, we're reading this in the context of the time, most Israelites... Uh, might still have been living in tents, covered, dark, with goat skins, ram's hides. It was only when the flap was opened that the light streamed in. The psalmist is saying, your word enters into the heart of the one who is dark. The one who is dead in his trespasses and sin. And what does the word do? It gives light. It illuminates life. So that what? Yes, we see our sin. But thanks be to God, we also see Christ. That's why he goes on to say that this unfolding... Changes 
one who is simple, not in terms of intelligence, but in terms of spiritual. They don't know, they don't understand, but God's word gives light. It's the same idea that you find in Luke chapter 24. And the expressions are are almost identical in terms of what is going on. You may not be thinking, what's Luke 24? Luke 24 is Jesus walking with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And it talks about how Jesus opened the scriptures. And then it says their eyes were opened so that they could see the truth that Jesus was giving, so that they could see the truth of Christ himself. That's what God's word does. See, you know, we live in a day and age in which people try all sorts of evangelistic tricks, I'll call them. They, they, you know, well, if you get them involved in this discussion, then you can lead the discussion this way. There might be some value to all of that, but, but really when it comes down to it, the conviction of a person's heart is going to come through the Word of God. Not through my words, not through, through my ways of trying to deal with it, just the simple truth of God's Word. Why? Because it's powerful. It gives light to the simple. It gives life to the dead. Thirdly, let's move on in the psalm. God's word. It is also and expressed here his desire. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. The idea of longing here is the idea of of having a desire. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. How much is God's word used in your life really? No. I'll I'll rephrase it. How much is God's word used in our lives? From Sunday to Sunday, how often is this open? Is it even opened on Sunday? Or, Or are you content just to have me do all the reading? Does God's word get open? Does does it get opened in your mind? Does it get opened in circumstances? Does it get opened in situations? Do we read it? Do we read God's Word? Not, Not do we read it for Bible study. That's a good thing. But do we just read God's Word? I think all of us could probably step back and evaluate and say, we probably spend more time watching television, listening to the radio, reading other stuff, than actually we spend reading God's Word. 
need to keep in step with the Spirit. Spirit's not telling me, follow the yellow bus. Spirit's not telling me, follow the red bus. Spirit's saying to me, follow me. Follow me. I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. One of the, and, and I don't mean this to brag. In fact, it's actually the other way around. Uh, I've, I've committed myself to reading through the scriptures this year. It's been uh, far too long a time since I have done that. And uh, I've committed myself to doing that once again. But, you know, even that can sometimes come off as, okay, I read my chapters today. I read my chapters today. I, I did my devotions today. You know, and, and maybe sometimes we get into that habit, you know. We, we just pull out God's word. Yup, it's time to read. So we read that passage for that day. We read that text that goes along with the today booklet or whatever. But we're not really panting. We're not really longing. We're not really desiring. It's sort of something we can put an X in the box for because we did it. Rather than... This passion, I want to hear God's voice speak to me today. I've had all these voices barraging me throughout the day. I want to hear God. Or I want to start my day hearing the voice of God because I know what's going to come to me today. I want to keep in step with the Spirit. What does the Spirit desire? Oh, the Spirit longs to breathe out God's truth into your heart, into my heart, into your mind, into my mind. Fourth, the Spirit desires something else as well in our walk with God. It's, it's not just this... This being in awe of it, understanding the power of it, having a desire for it. It comes down to obedience. Verse 133. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. You know, I, I go back to that 133, and, and for those of you who may be visitors, we've been dealing with the struggle in Galatians chapter 5 of the flesh and the spirit. Notice where the psalmist takes us here. Notice that the psalmist is taking us to God's word. And he's saying, you know, let me spend time in your word so that sin doesn't get dominion over my life. I don't want that flesh to rise up. I don't want that flesh to gain any part of control. I want every square inch of my heart and my life to be under the authority and the control of God. How do I do that? Let me dig into your word so that no iniquity gets dominion over me. 
see how often is it that, that we're like the Ethiopian eunuch. We're reading, but we're not understanding. We're ever acquiring words, but we're never processing words. The psalmist here is saying, Lord, I know that where in your word I find truth and that your spirit is leading me and guiding me in that truth. Lord, help me to follow that path. Let them not just be words upon a page. Let them be the words of my life. The psalmist is also pointing out to us the, the pressure that comes from this world. Redeem me from man's oppression. And I'm not to cave in to the culture. I'm not to cave in to the society. I'm not to cave in to the desires of the flesh. Even though those are realistic. See, I want, just notice, because, because I think this is important, because I think sometimes we think that, well, if I'm feeling that pressure, there must be something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not holy enough. Think, my friends, the person who wrote this, these beautiful verse after verse after verse about the beauty of God's Word, says, redeem me from man's oppression. Saying, was he experiencing it? Yes. Of course we do. Seeking to live as believers in this word. Following the steps of the Spirit. Living by the Spirit. On that one course. All sorts of people of our society and culture are going to say, why are you on that one path? There are many paths you know that lead to eternal life. No. Can't give in to the pressure. Oh, it doesn't matter if now and then you give away to a sin. Ah, that's okay. Ah, that's, my friends, is not the voice that breaks the cedars of Lebanon. That's the voice of the tempter. That's the lure of the devil. That's the fake news. That's the falsehood. That's the lie. In the face of that oppression, that pressure upon us, we need to stay obedient to God's word. And how are we going to stay obedient to God's word if we don't even know God's word? So are you submitting? That's where, that's where you come in verse 135. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Good prayer as you open up God's word each time is to bow in prayer and say, Lord, whatever it is in this passage, teach me. You're speaking to me today. You're not speaking to my husband. You're not speaking to my wife. You're not speaking to my child. You're not speaking to my mom and dad. You're not speaking about my teacher at school or about that kid at school. Father, this word is directed to me. Teach me. See, that's a submissive attitude. Remember, remember where Galatians 5.25 goes? It goes to 26. Don't let me become conceited about this. Don't let me become arrogant. 
Don't let me become one, well, you know, I read eight chapters today out of the book of Jeremiah. I think if you read eight chapters out of the book of Jeremiah, you probably wouldn't tell a soul. Because you'd be down on your knees in repentance. Not telling people. Teach me. Teach me. That idea of the submissive heart before the word of God. Last verse. My eyes shed streams of tears. Because people do not keep your law. Is there an ache? See, that's the spirit. See, the spirit is grieved. Remember that passage, New Testament? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the spirit? You grieve the spirit by sin. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Creates an ache. See, and what the psalmist is saying here is, it creates in my heart an ache. To see God's glorious truth set aside. That's what's happening as Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. Then as he comes to the place where he can oversee Jerusalem, he weeps. He weeps not because... That's where I'm going to die. That's not why he's weeping. He's weeping because that city is going to reject him. And those who reject him have no eternal life. And he weeps. He weeps over their sin. Paul in Romans chapter 9 is, is speaking ab about God's sovereign election. And a, and, but he, before he actually gets into that, he speaks about the rejection of the Jews of Jesus Christ. And he speaks in terms of, if I could, if I could, I would rather that I be damned than they. Rather be the one accursed. See, when you see sin, does it create those tears? More people are influenced by our tears for them than are arguing with them over matters of salvation. More people are influenced by our compassion for their eternal soul than our anger towards them. You know that, don't you, parent? You, 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 it's hard to resist that crying child. It's pretty easy to resist the defiant one. The one who comes at you in anger, it's pretty easy to say, now listen here. The one who comes to you with tears streaming down their face, it's hard. But you see, the question is not only does God's word create an ache, because that's what happens with the spirit. 
to keep in step with the Spirit means that as the Spirit sees sin in this world, there is a grieving in his heart. If I'm to keep in step with the Spirit, then in my heart too there has to be a grieving. But not just in the sin in the world. There has to be that same kind of grieving over the sin in my own heart, in my own life. See, how do I walk with God? How do I keep in step with the Spirit? That when sin is seen, when sin is evidenced, it's got to take such a grip of my heart and of my soul that it creates an ache, a grieving. And that flees me to Christ. Because the Spirit always leads me to Christ. That's His work. That's His function. And when He brings me to Christ, even with the ache of my sin, I find that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Live by the Spirit. How? By treasuring God's breathed out word to you and I. Let's pray. Father, again, we say thank you. Thank you. You don't just leave us all alone. You don't just convert us and then say, now you're on your own. Father, <laughs> we'd get nowhere. But you put the Spirit in our hearts and in our lives to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. Father, may we keep in step with that Spirit. May we make proper use of your breathed out word. Not out of ritual, not out of custom, not out of superstition. But out of pure love for your word. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.